So today, as part of our Upside podcast series, which is powered by Sports Tech Advisors, we have the honor to interview Pete Denaghi, a president of e-commerce advisors, founder of IoT America. Uh, Pete is also the former GM of Samsung Enterprise. So Pete, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Julian. It's, uh, it's good to be here. Great. So Pete, look, what I want to talk to you about today was for you to talk about your background, right? Your view on the top 5G, Wi-Fi, use cases in sports stadiums, and then get your thoughts on the biggest benefits uh, you see for teams to use Wi-Fi, 5G and Wi-Fi 6. And also, I would like to get your view on how 5G, Wi-Fi 6 can help the teams better stay connected to their fans. And then lastly, I want to get your, your take on 6G and the killer use case there. So how does it sound? Sounds like a plan. So great. So Pete, so could you tell us about your background for the audience who's listening? Yeah. So um, this happens to be my 38th year in uh, communications, mobile, and IoT. Um, I have a background uh, in consulting. I, I worked previously for both Accenture and Capgemini. Um, I've also worked um, yeah, in uh, systems integration with EDS uh, carriers. Uh, I, I worked with uh, GTE, uh, Harris, and um, Global Crossing. Um, and of course, uh, as Julian had mentioned, uh, I was the general manager of enterprise for the United States Samsung. I actually helped write Samsung's global strategy for enterprise mobility. Um, yep. And then thereafter, I, uh, I founded a uh, consulting firm, which I've uh, run and owned for the last seven years, which helps uh, both startups with go-to-market um, in communication strategy, as well as um, standalone companies uh, who want to uh, improve their enterprise strategy in uh, telecommunications, mobile communications, and IoT. Uh, I've spoken at conferences and uh, seminars, um, you know, all over the world. And uh, I, at this point, I am, uh, you know, speaking a lot about 5G, especially in the use cases in rural America, as um, the company I founded, IoT America, is basically a managed service provider for IoT, servicing farms and ranches and small towns and uh, industries. Um, where connectivity is challenged, uh, working with, uh, with carrier partners to do that. Um, IoT America helps people, you know, improve their yields and productivity in rural America. So, so that's a little bit about me. Um, you know, I've been, uh, I've been working a lot on, uh, 5G and Wi-Fi 6. As a matter of fact, um, uh, a few months back, I actually, um, uh, testified to the FCC on 5G use cases for rural America. Uh, in addition to that, I'd actually also worked on a collaboration book on uh, mobility. Uh, one of the collaborators I worked with actually was, it's kind of interesting, I worked with Stephen Covey on the book. So uh, this was back in uh, 2009. So so that, that that's my background. In a oh, great background. So, so look, um, you know, I'll tell you a story. I, uh, years and years ago, I was watching, uh, I was going, I went to the Camp Nou, uh, in Barcelona, uh, big stadium, right? For the FC Barcelona. And I was watching a game between, uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid. And the, the, the you know, the stadium was packed. And I was just amazed that I could not even go on my internet. I couldn't even use Wi Fi. And I thought, man, that's just painful, right? So, and even today, Right. So whenever you ask people what are the killer 5G or even Wi-Fi 6 use cases, people don't seem to really have a right answer or a good answer. Right. So in your opinion, what are the top 
5G, Wi-Fi 6 use cases in sports stadium today and why? Well, so so the top use case is going to be really simple, right? And the top use case is when a stadium, uh, an arena, um, is uh, architecting uh, 5G and Wi-Fi. The first thing that they need to do is they need to architect it correctly for the peak, right? Um, one of the problems that you just alluded to in the stadium is the fact that the architecture of wireless and stadiums has been such that um, you don't hit the, uh, you don't provide peak connectivity to all the participants. And, yeah. and the issue at hand is, um, and a lot of people complain about this in stadiums, you go to the stadium, you can't get the connectivity, but what's even worse, because your mobile device is working so hard at searching for connectivity, searching for the open channel, that people all the time complain about the fact that they go to the stadium with a full charge, and by the time they leave the stadium, there's no charge. Because That's right. you know, all you're doing is working to go and get the connectivity. So the first thing that that we're going to see with uh, 5G and Wi-Fi 6 use cases is the fact that they need to correctly architect the uh, the the uh, endpoint uh, usage for the peak. Um, so what, what do you mean? What do you mean concretely by architect the the endpoint, like the access point for the peak? What what needs to happen concretely? Well, so what needs to happen, right, is that you need to have enough uh, you need to have enough channels on the uh, radio area network that's yeah. being supported, whether it be Wi-Fi APs or whether it be 5G radios, right? So that yeah. um, if you're in, uh, so that stadium seats, I think, sixty thousand fans. So that's right. uh, um, you're not going to have sixty thousand fans concurrently on your on their mobile devices, but you may have 30,000. And, yeah. and, and with 5G and with Wi-Fi 6, um, you know, most stadium and venue owners are banking on the fact that the mobile experience is going to become more, more intertwined, become melded with the action on the field so that you're going to have a, a, a greater peak of concurrent users than you've ever had before. So the architecting, the design, the planning of the radio infrastructure is going to be just super critical. The second yep. thing is with 5G, okay, you have to figure out what kind of 5G you're going to use, right? And what I mean by that, you know, there's low band, mid band, and high band options of 5G, right? They all have their different, you know, capabilities and use cases. Low band 5G allows you to go far, right? Well, that's not really so important in a stadium. Mid-band 5G gives you good distance coverage and uh, great throughput and better latency performance than uh, low-band 5G. Um, but you, you only have uh, a peak rate of about, you know, you know, a gig a second, which is, of course, exceptionally fast, right? And then yeah. you have millimeter wave, you know, which is high-band, you know, 5G in the United States is the 24 and 28 gigahertz uh, spectral usage. Uh, Verizon, of course, is is leading the way in deploying the uh, the millimeter wave uh, deployments. With millimeter wave, um, you know, the ability to go and provide great peak speeds is spectacular. However, okay, the um, you know the the frequency, you know. It, 
only has, you know, a propagation of about 1,100 meters. So you now, you have to go and make sure that your antenna structure is correctly placed inside, you know, any type of venue or stadium. Secondly, with the millimeter wave uh, frequencies, they don't penetrate, penetrate um, structures well at all. As a matter of fact, millimeter wave won't break through glass, right? So you're going to need to have, you know, antennas, you know, you know, architected not only for the bowl of the stadium, but for the concourses. Not only yeah. for the concourses, but the levels of the concourses. Because, of course, you know, the, the signal won't go from the, from the top level of the concourse to the bottom level of the concourse because it won't go through, it won't go through or around the concrete, right? So you really have to make sure that your, you know, distributed antenna system or your microcell deployment, um, for the 5G is ubiquitous around the stadium. So, I mean, that's really, that's absolutely the most, uh, you know, important view. Now, from a use case perspective, aside from connectivity, mm-hmm. you know, I think the, the great use case is the XR use case in sports, right? And what I mean by XR, right? We all heard of virtual reality and augmented reality, right? Yep. I think we're going to actually see the melding of the two so that fans can go forward, look on the field, and actually see augmentations in real time with statistics, yeah. right? So you get the, the live-action experience of being at the stadium, as well as all the graphical capabilities that you get for being at home. So if you watch an NFL game and you see the painted lines, per se, on the field, the painted line, you know, the, on your TV set. Of course, they don't, you know, they're 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 not there in reality, but they are an augmentation of the reality that's presented to you on the TV screen, right? Yep. Well, with five G or with Wi Fi six, you're now going to be able to use your phone, or you're going to be able to use AR glasses, or you're actually going to be use XR glasses, which would have both virtual and augmented capabilities to go yep. forward and get that exact same experience like you would get on your TV set, you'll be able to see the real-time, pers- uh, you know, you know the, the statistics, the percentages, the analytics, like you would in the home experience, yet have the robust luster of being at the game, which is not something that you can recreate, in, you know, at home or in a restaurant. Yeah, and, and by the way, you, you mentioned the, the live statistics. I'm a, I'm a really big believer in that use case. But I think another really cool use case would also be to add biometric data of the players. Of course, some trainers would say, I don't, I, you know, I don't want you, my fans to know this guy is getting dehydrated with 30% dehydration or the heart rate is going through the roof, right? There's yeah. going to be some issues there. However, you can maybe blend some biometric data, maybe uh, that are not so controversial, right? And, oh, and then you can add maybe some kind of live betting system where you can literally bet if this guy is going to fall off in the fourth quarter or if he's going to, you know, have an awesome performance in the third quarter or whatever, right? Yeah, and as a matter of fact, you, you really hit it on the head, right? So uh, gambling is a, is a huge driver on all this. Yeah. Um, one, of the, one of the concerns, of course, are the biometric, uh, you know, statistics, right? You're going to have to get player consent, of course. In, yeah. you know, different, different, different nations have different rules. 
Yep. In the United States, of course, there are the HIPAA rules, right? So the HIPAA rules will be actually uh, applicable on a player-by-player basis by being able to present their individual biometric statistics in a public manner, right? Some, some players will opt in and some players will not. You know, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting conundrum, right? So. Yeah, and even the, to your point on that, so there are regulations, right? So the NBA does not allow any user wearables during live games, right? As opposed to the MLB in the Magic Baseball League, you have three wearables that are allowed, right? So, uh, and, and then you have to negotiate, like you said, right, with the player association and everything. So, oh, sure. Yeah. It's complicated, but I think I want that as a fan, but, you know, in reality, it's going to be more difficult to implement, right? So, well, I mean, you know, candid, candidly speaking, right? It's like you know, you're you're taking NBA 2K, you yeah. know, as an example, and putting it on the screen. So now I know that Kevin De- Kevin Durant is at 25 percent of peak optimal uh, physical efficiency, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm the opposing team, I know that I'm going to attack him because he's tired. Right? Yeah. That's uh, yeah. That uh, can be good. It, it can be problematic. Whereas for sure. in whereas in MLB. You know, um, you know the, uh, the 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 physical stress of being a baseball player, you know, is uh, is less on a position by position basis. You know, yep. uh, save like the pitcher and the catcher, right? Because those yep. are the, the two most physical positions on the field, right? And and you know the same with the same with uh, you know European football, soccer, right? So uh, yep. you know the different you know the defensemen, you know. You know, midfielders run the most. The uh, defensemen and the attack uh, run run the the next most. Of course, the goalies don't run much at all. Yeah. Um, so you have different peak and analytic uh, features therein. So Good anyway, point. yeah, it's it's it, it's very it's it'll differ sport by sport, and then the importance will will uh, you know will will great. Actually, I think one of the things that would be very interesting is to look at that in horse racing. But of oh, course, yeah. then that actually has a betting uh, betting. Uh, angle as well right yeah and i do know of a company called uh macloid and they actually build a really cool uh tracking system that integrates with uh like pmu in france for like the betting stuff and they even build like a vr experience as well uh but but like you said you need to get the right you know i mean technology right 5g and and so you can have very high very low latency and and high throughput right uh but 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 leagues are investing in this, right? I mean, in case in point, so the NBA had a um, had a VR deal with a company called Next VR. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you saw that, but uh, Next, out by Apple, right? By Apple, Apple for a hundred yeah. million dollars uh, a couple of weeks back. So mm-hmm. I mean, clearly this is you know, you know, this is incumbent of having you know, you know, high delivery platforms within the arenas, right? So. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, point. yeah, pretty point. Uh, you mentioned so live betting. Any other use cases you can think about? Any other use cases? Or well, there's, there's the fan statistic. There's the live betting. Of course, there's the um, you know for the stadium owners, right? You know there are, there is the customer intimacy aspects of five G and the Wi Fi six as well, right? You know you will have the ability to go forward and, and provide IoT use cases. Um, yeah. In the stadium itself, for the seating, for for ordering, for yeah. concierge services, for attendance, for maintenance, you know, case in point, right? Um, 
you know, you can do this today. Uh, you can actually put in sensors in, you know, the, the, the men's and the women's, uh, you know, rest facilities per se to see if they need servicing. Right. Yeah. You know, um, you know, you know, a lot of people put door monitors on the, um, stall doors. And after so many openings and closings, you know, you actually have an analytical algorithm to say, Oh, well, you know, I should go check to see if it needs a cleaning and B, if it needs supplies such as, you know, paper, um, you know, or, or, or cleaning to that effect, or I can go forward and concierge order a beer or, uh, you know, some popcorn or nachos at my seat or a hot dog if it's a baseball game, right? Um, yeah. but one of the things also that you can do is you can track, you know, you know, you can have, uh, wearables and or mobile applications for the, uh, spectators. So uh -huh. you can track, you can actually track their motion within the stadium, right? Whether, what percentage of the time are they sitting? What percentage of the time are they in the bar? What percentage of the time are they in the concourse? Where are they spending their dollars, right? Are they going to do food concessions, to gift concessions, to clothing concessions? Are they doing activities and games with their children? You yeah. know, these things are all available with 5G and Wi-Fi 6, right? And um, you can architect them directly onto their mobile devices and their wearables. So I think it's really important to look at that. Yeah. Right, because because at that point, you know, the fan experience is much more than just watching the game. The fan experience is actually, you know, going out to, you know, you know, as they say in baseball, the ballpark. I mean, we look at the entire the coronavirus uh, situation right now, and different leagues have different, um, you know, different uh, results, right? Yeah. So the, the NBA is restarting, the NHL is restarting, football is still technically on schedule. Uh, and primarily because the bulk of their revenues come from TV contracts, right? Mm -hmm. So whereas in baseball, um, you know, the bulk of the revenues still come from uh, stadium attendance, right? So yeah. on average, you know, uh, Major League Baseball draws 40 to 45 million fans a year in aggregate, right? So they 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 still rely on over... 50% of their revenue stream to be coming from stadium attendance and, of course, the intimacy of the fans. So, and, you know, the more that a sports league relies on the fans showing up and spending dollars, the more that uh, the, the, the 5G and the Wi-Fi 6 becomes an integral architectural um, place uh, to, to, uh, to drive dollars. Yeah, and that makes sense. So, Hey, what advice would you give to teams and leagues looking to enable 5G or Wi-Fi 6 in their stadium? What are the kind of the best practices? I mean, I think maybe yeah. you talked about that at the beginning, but yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a tremendous question, right? So the first thing is um, I would look to architect uh, a system that, you know, that, that affords connectivity to whatever service provider is out there, right? So um, with 5G, of course, uh, you know, as we all know, carriers bid on, on spectrum, on, on spe specific frequencies to deliver their signal, right? Yeah. So they, they get licenses on regions, areas, or nations to go deliver, you know, a signal, right? So, you, so it's really incumbent for the stadium owner to design the uh, distributed antenna system in the... Um, in the stadium to go and support all of the carriers that actually will will go forward and utilize that that venue, right? Good point. So, yeah. I mean, case in point, you could you know Verizon could come in in the United States and deploy a a 
you know, a distributed antenna system or a microcell system for 5G, and it kind of shuts out, you know, T-Mobile and AT&T, and that would be bad. So the, the, you know, the, you know, the stadium owner needs to take control of it. Secondarily, for a stadium owner, right, with, um, there's a trend for private LTE and private 5G, yeah. where actually they own the infrastructure, and by owning the infrastructure, they can actually deploy what's called a neutral host. Mm-hmm. And in the neutral host, they basically then provide the ubiquitous connectivity to all the carriers. And uh, in essence, they create a roaming agreement with all the carriers so they can actually share in the revenue stream um, for each cell call, each data connection. And I think that's really going to be important in, you know, in, in, in that. If we switch over to Wi-Fi 6, right? Because we've talked mostly about 5G. Yep. You know, so, so Wi-Fi 6 has some really nice in, incumbent benefits, right? So one, Wi-Fi 6, you know, affords, you know, giggy connectivity. Um, and secondly, from the AP perspective, you know, you actually get a fourfold distance, uh, gain. So, or more. So right now, you know, a, a Wi-Fi AP, uh, using, uh, Wi-Fi 5, Yep. So it's about you know, 150 to 200 meters. Yep. So a Wi-Fi 6 GP has four times the connectivity, has better channel management, has better battery management, and can go up to about 1,000 meters. Um, so that, that works out really well. It also addresses uh, IoT devices, so you can actually segment out channels for better battery usage. One other thing that the Wi-Fi 6 um, scenario provides is that Wi-Fi 6 has the ability to do Wi-Fi backhaul, which means that you can mesh the APs to, in essence, you know, you provide the, the uh, Wi-Fi backhaul uh, from the near end to a far end in a, in a chain of APs, right? Which yep. means that you can more efficiently utilize the back bandwidth through that. So I think that's really good. Um, one of the things that's, you know, of course, important in all of this is um, you need Wi-Fi 6 and or 5G endpoints. And the vast majority of mobile devices carried by consumers today um, don't have 5G on them mm-hmm. and won't have 5G on them or Wi-Fi 6 um, for the, you know, you know, the very near future. Um, from what I understand, we're going to start seeing um, commercially deployed Wi-Fi 6 endpoints in the market. Um you know, towards the end of the year, right? You know, they're building them in. Yep. Um, so, I mean, I think that's, you know, so you're not going to see a lot of your consumers, um, you know, yet have 5G and or Wi-Fi 6 devices in their hands um, in any type of scale until the beginning of 2022. So, time. Stadium, yeah, it's, no, actually, it's oh, yeah. a short time. Okay. okay. Actually, 2020, if you think about it this way, that's 18 months, Julian. That's right. The, the beginning of 2022, right? Yeah. And, and, it's because, and, it's, and, and here's the rationale behind that statement, right? Because, you know, yeah, Wi-Fi 6 is out. Mm-hmm. Wi-Fi 6E is out, which is another story that we should talk about a little, you know, a little bit later in this call. Yeah. But, you know, wi- Wi-Fi 6 is out. 5G is out, right? 5G came out. It, it uh, 3GPP release 15 was released for general consumption globally at the end of October, right? So that's when it was out of trial. Uh, Wi-Fi 6 was just, you know, 
just announced. So this is all newly in the market, right? We've been talking about 5G for years, but in essence, you know, it's only been out, you know, five, five, six months. Yeah. Okay. Um, the endpoints have to catch up. People keep their smartphones for two years. As a matter of fact, um, the trend is that people are keeping their smartphones phones longer because the differences or the differentiation between, you know, smartphone versions have actually minimized over time, right? So, you know, the, the, the difference between the iPhone 7, the iPhone 8, the iPhone 9, you know, there, there were small differences. There were nuanced differences. Many of them had to do with camera or biometrics or facial recognition, mm -hmm. right? So there, there's not been a, you know, there's not been a killer reason for people to go to the iPhone 12, which this will all be mm -hmm. on, right? So um, same thing with the uh, the Samsung Galaxy devices, right? You know, the 10, the 20, um, you know, the, the, you know, the, Samsung, of course, you can get 5G on now. You, you cannot get Wi-Fi 6. Um, and it's carrier-specific and carrier-dependent, yeah. right? Uh, one of the things that's going to be very interesting is uh, CBRS and C-band, um, which are new spectral um, deployments in the United States that, um, you know, will will provide some, some ubiquitous coverage. Uh, C-band is the first, uh, you know, uh, frequency auction by the FCC in the United States. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, CBRS is the first uh, spectrum auction in the United States that allows all carriers to operate on the same frequency. And CBRS actually is available on your phone, on your new phone mm -hmm. today, right? App Apple has CBRS, Samsung has CBRS, LG, you know, Motorola, on and you know, Huawei, ZTE, all have all have CBRS frequencies. On, on their devices, right? So uh, you can get 5G and CBRS. You can get up to, uh, you know, one gig, depending on the, uh, the deployment. If it's a 5G deployment, um, you, you don't get the millimeter wave. There are benefits in doing that. If you were a stadium deployer and you put in a CBRS system, uh, one system would then allow for the ubiquitous connectivity to all carriers. And, and that's a good yeah. thing as well. Can I ask you something about, you mentioned Wi-Fi 6, right? So... Uh, when are, where, what is the preferred use case to use Wi-Fi 6 as opposed to other use cases for 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 5G, right? So, yeah, that that's a terrific question, right? You know, because because obviously, you know, people like Ericsson and Nokia, Samsung, LG, uh, you know, in, in you know in Europe and Asia, ZTE and Huawei. Are, are deploying 5G systems and, and they're all talking about private mm -hmm. LTE, right? Right. And, and, and owning the infrastructure. Um, and, 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 and the cases therein. Um, you know, what I think you're going to see, I think you're going to see stadium owners forced yeah. to do both. You know, the Wi Fi 6 and, uh, for the, uh, the, uh, the 5G. So the Wi Fi 6. Will be a um, will will be a deployment that will you know will be mm -hmm. less costly um, than a uh, than a uh, uh, an, an LTE and or a five G deployment, right? Because you're not you're not looking at a you know a core or a virtualized call core or you know a VRAN and an open RAN type of a deployment with DAS and microcells. You're putting you're just putting up 
AP, you yeah. know, Wi-Fi APs. And you don't have to put up as many of them. I mean, you do have to do and look at them from a density perspective and a peak performance mm-hmm. perspective, right? Um, you know, so, but, but the, the, the downside of, um, of Wi-Fi 6 is the fact that you, you, um, when you, when you go forward and you address the uh, connectivity to the AP, um, even though you have four times the capacity that you had before, uh, you still have to, you know, you still have the, uh, the problems of, uh, running it out. However, the benefits of 5G, uh, and the benefits of Wi-Fi 6 are, are, are actually pretty yeah. closely aligned when it comes to connectivity. Um, you know, with, with, to, with regard to the, um, the endpoint. And as a matter of fact, there are a lot of initiatives that, you know, talk about integrating Wi-Fi 6 and 5G where strategies are that Wi-Fi 6 will end up doing the voice over IP, um, connectivity to the endpoint. And then the back, you know, you know, integrating to the 5G RAN, uh, and core scenario to, uh, to, to do the backhaul. Uh, it's very interesting. 5G, of course, provides some really good security capabilities, uh, some very good channel capabilities. Um, you know, the channel slicing is interesting in 5G. Um, there are a lot of, there are a lot of upsides for, for, for doing 5G as well. 5G is going to cost more money. Yeah. Can I, can I ask you for questions on, you mentioned the cost, right? So from an end user standpoint, right? For people who are using 4G services today, right? On smartphones. And then the, the, in the future, uh, for the fans that will be using uh, 5G enabled services or 5G smartphones services, how much of a premium are you going to pay more for 5G services, or what's the rationale you think? How much more are they going to pay? Right? Yeah. Well, so carriers are you know so carriers are clamoring to do 5G for several yeah. reasons, right? So one of the reasons you know, is that uh, 5G is going to be, you know, provide fixed wireless access or broadband at the home, which is, of course, not stadium-related. Um, but 5G also provides the promise of, of providing, you know, premium services from a yep. data perspective, right? You know, one, one of the problems that we have with, uh, you know, our cell phone coverage, you know, we, we talked today about how expensive cell phones are, you know, the monthly yep. services, right? I know with AT&T, I have three phones. I pay $130 a month, right? And I go, wow, I pay $130 a month. Well, I also forget that in in the 1990s, um, you know, my business phone um, monthly service was $600 a month. And oh, yes. And oh, by by the way, um, I couldn't text. (laughs) I couldn't do video, right? All I could do is make phone calls, right? So, um, you know, but, but, but the, the, the need for that $600, you know, a month plan was yeah. really important because I was, you know, basically doing $7 million of business for $600 a month. So the answer is sure. Yeah. That made a lot of sense. Um, to, today, the costs have gone down to a point where carriers, you know, it's it, the old, you know, adage, you know, um, you sell it for less, but you deploy it, you know, yeah. you know, widely. Okay. So there weren't a lot of people buying $600 a month cell phone plans back in yeah. 1997, right? Um, but the, um, 
you know, now they need to figure out how they can go and, and raise the ARPU, the average price yeah. per user. 5G data, 5G data and premium data plans and premium content plans are going to afford carriers, you know, the ability to provide optional services, optional data, um, and, um, different plans for, uh, for, for their users so they can get more money per average user. The other thing that nobody's talking about that I think is going to be good, um, you know, there have been um, packages available for years from carriers for something called yeah. sponsored data, where where they yeah. would actually um, the 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 end user actually or the uh, content provider pays for. I think T-Mobile was doing that. T-Mobile USA, I believe they were doing that at some point, right? Okay. Yeah, so was AT and T. So the the point the point is I think you're going to see a lot of sponsored data with premium content coming into to mobile devices, right? Whereas you have a you have a data plan and you would have it capped, but the sponsored data would then be you know the, the data price would be covered by the content mm -hmm. um, issuer, and I think you're going to see a lot of those plans yeah. coming out as well. The other thing the other thing that you can do is um, you know you'll also be able to with 5G and Wi-Fi six. The stadium itself will be able, from a LBS perspective or a location perspective, um, be able to push data in real time yeah. to the end user. So I think you're going to see those type of premium services as well. And you're going to do those services in conjunction with the carrier and, of course, um, money. And also I've heard about 5G. Ways, 5G right? would have some kind of a micro locationing capability too, right? Is that is that right? Okay. Yes. Uh, because I think, yeah, that's important, right? Yeah. Like, um, if you can push you know, location-based coupons or discounts as you're walking through the stadium and stuff like that. Well, that could be an interesting use case too, right? Yeah, yeah. LBS, you know, LBS services are very important, right? You know, so the, the ability to go forward and, and, and you know, it goes back to the customer intimacy so that if you yeah. know that you are on the upper level and the concession, the concession stands are, you know, in the corner, you'll actually be able to push yeah. a coupon to the device and then they can actually hold the device up, and the AR and the That's device true, will right? actually yeah. give them directions using way, way, way using wayfinding mm -hmm. to that concession stand. And you know, it'll actually even be able to give you predictive analytics and say, "Oh, you're between these two concession stands. The way to this stand is three minutes. The way to this stand is ten minutes." And you have your assistant, you digital assistant, stand. giving you directions and advice on maybe what to buy and giving you directions, right? Yeah, that's right. That that's right, and and as you have uh, as you have uh, team based intimacy programs, right? And you know their mobile apps, you actually can go forward and assign preferences, right? So you know, uh, you know, you know that I like nachos with yep. cheese and jalapeno peppers, right? And there are three concession stands, but only one of them serves that, so it'll know it'll give me directions to the. Uh, Concession yep. stands based okay. on my preferences, um, right? So, so, look, I, my other question, look, we live in this, this world of COVID-19, right? A lot of fans, most fans cannot go into the stadium right now. And the teams are trying to find ways to engage with the fans, whether through like some sort of uh, SVOD, uh, online video services, social media, VR, maybe AR in some cases. Where do you think 5G or Wi-Fi 6 can help there and, and to help the fans stay connected? to the teams in the future, right? Of course, Wi-Fi 5G is not you know, omnipresent. Wi-Fi 6 is not there yet. But where do you think that would help to uh, the teams to stay connected to the fans in a better way? 
So, um, so VR is go- absolutely going to be, um, you know, in a in yeah. a socially distant world, VR mm-hmm. VR is a killer app. You know, there's there's not a question about it. Uh, I, you know, um, one thing I didn't mention, I'm on the board of a uh, of a VR company, Mind VR, yeah. for Alzheimer's and dementia patients. Um, but um, you know, experiential videos and content coming through VR, um, it will be great. The problem with VR today is that VR is not a real time experience. You know, you, you must, you know, cache the video, store the video, and then replay the video and, and the audio. Um, otherwise, if you, if you do it in real time, um, your connectivity must be, you know, ubiquitous high speed without interruption. Um, otherwise you get the delay, the fade, the jitter. Um, and, and there are actually, you know, physical, you know, physical problems associated with VR, right? People, people get nauseous, Mm -hmm. people get sick, people get headaches. If the stream is not, is is not fresh and current, right? You know, with, with 5G and Wi-Fi 6, most of those problems are solved, right? So now you can actually deliver, you know, a real time fan experience. So, um, for, for, for the fans, you know, the leagues yeah. are looking at this in a very big way. You know, the NBA actually already has a oh, VR so that reminds uh, subscription me of, of based, a, right? Sorry to interrupt, you- Pete, but there was one company I was talking to, a VR company in Europe, and they were going to strike a deal with the, a major, major soccer, soccer league. I can't say who that was, right? I'm not allowed to, but the idea was that they were going to put a VR, I'm sorry, a 360 camera, body camera into the shirt of a player. And during the game, you could be able to broadcast and look the game from a different player's perspective, switch from one player to another, just by look, you leveraging this VR 360 body camera, right? Uh, but for that, you need to get really real time, yep. uh, real time data and, and all of that, right? Otherwise, it just doesn't work, right? So. Well, well, yeah. And, and, and by the way, the other reason why you need the, uh, you need the, uh, the, the 5G yep. and the uh, Wi Fi 6 in the stadiums. That if you're actually broadcasting mm-hmm. in 4K or 8K off the field, right? And, and a lot of the yep. teams are looking at 8K right now. So, um, you know, you, you need a lot of bandwidth to take the data off the field to put it into the cloud to stream it, um, to the, uh, to the, uh, remote user, right? So, uh, and a lot of the, you know, the content with VR, you have to actually look at, you know, are you using, you know, 180 degree field of view on the cameras? Are you using hemispherical views? You know, are you using 240 uh, degree, yeah. 240 degree views? You know, the different views require different or data rates, different latency perspectives, right? Plus, if you, if you camera up or might, you know, if you put cameras on all the players, right, which you can do, um, you know, the, the amount of data coming off the field from a video perspective is massive frankly massive you know so so you you know and then you know then that you know that goes into you know how do you process the data where does the data go most likely the data is going to go into an edge you know an edge compute center based in the stadium which means now data you know you know because of the latency performance capabilities right you're going to need well, to have data it's funny you mentioned that because actually, the sacramento you know, kings right the nba team in sacramento they did just that. They put like, um, uh, data centers, I mean, inside their facility in the stadium itself. 
Right. Right. And that's, that's, that's very important. Right. Because the problem is, right. So you get the enhanced latency performance of 5G, right. It's a really big value proposition, right. The, the, yep. the, the millisecond latencies, right. Well, the only way to take advantage of millisecond latency is to have local processing of the data. Because if you, if you're millisecond going from the field to the data center in the stadium to process the video to send it out, um, that's much more efficient than taking the data uh, from a millisecond latency perspective and sending out the, uh, um, the the image to a data center in Washington D.C. Yeah. or Dallas or you know or San Jose or you know whatever, right? You know, you know Minnesota, um, which happens to all four be very large data yeah. center you know areas in the country. Um, they you know, you lose latency because in the in the um, the return, you know, the return trips each way. So if you process it locally, um, you actually enhance the you know the experience and then bring it closer to your time still. So you you know you can process the data locally yep. and then distribute it from there. Um, you're going to see a lot of that as well. Um, so th that has to go into the architecture and design thought processes. That makes uh, sense. Of, so, of your, hey, of your I guess, you know, my last question is, you know, we talked about 5G and Wi Fi 6, but really some people are starting to talk about, you know, 6G, right? The University of Hawaii, as you know, you're pointing that, you mentioned that to me one time. The University of Hawaii is actually working on 6G and, you know, what are the use cases and so on. So from your perspective, what do you think will be the killer 6G use cases and why and in which country? probably will be first to learn 6G, uh, in your opinion. So the good news is that there's a lot of thought mm -hmm. being going into 6G right now. Yeah. Uh, it's all academic. Um, you know, um, several universities, uh, the University of Ulu also is uh, yep. working on it. They're in Finland. Um, you know, so uh, if you're going to add, if I, you're going to add, uh, say to, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. who's going to do uh, 6G first? I'm going to tell you yep. it's going to be either Sweden or Finland, right? And the reason I say Sweden or Finland is because, you know, uh, you know, Finland, uh, you know, Nokia is headquartered That's there, right. and uh, Sweden, you know, has uh, has uh, Ericsson, right? So, um, so, uh, and I think they're they're leading the research. Um, but uh, with the 6G deployments, right? I think you are. You know, you're looking at a lot more contextual awareness. Um, you're looking at a lot more, um, you know, uh, human machine interface. You're looking at a lot more of a, um, you know, your well, predictive algorithms, right? I mean, edge, edge, candidly, edge computing is already, you know, that's already a still, you know, a staple in five uh, G deployments, yeah. right? Edge computing is very powerful. Edge computing is going to be required for autonomy, right? So if you have autonomous vehicles or autonomous systems, right, you need the edge computing locally real because time. the latency performance has to be, yeah. you know, you know real-time, right? I mean, edge, you know, edge computing is driven by the need to have yeah. low-latency applications, right? If, you, if, if what you're doing requires instantaneous decision-making, then you need to have the edge computing, you know, and the processing. If you have high levels of files that need to be processed locally 
and then you need to send smaller files up, you know, to a larger archival uh, data center. Edge computing yeah. is also a great application for that, right? Because otherwise you yeah. have to send all the data, which of course costs you money. So, um, you know, there, there are lots of things like that. 5G will be more efficient in that. We'll have a lot more. Mm -hmm. 6G mm -hmm. is going to be all about context, Julian. It's going to be called context, yeah. you know, biometrics, human interface, um, deeper, you know, um, you know, basically one of the things also being worked upon is the replacement yep. for um, IPv6, right? So in people, always, I, I tell people that all the time. They say, wait a second, we're just starting to deploy IPv6 you know, from IPv4. And I said, isn't IPv6 new? And I always go and point out to them, no, <laughs> IPv6 came out in 1999. Right. It's just uh, nobody deployed it. Um, so now, you know, because the numbering schemes, you know, they kept, you know, you know, messing with the number schemes to go fit it into IPv4. And then finally, they're, they're just deploying IV, IPv6. But really, um, IPv6 is, is a pretty bad schema when you start talking about IoT devices, because IoT devices, 70% of them are actually small scale. And they don't, you know, single purpose, and they actually don't have the addressing capabilities to to, to handle the IPv6 uh, numbering nomenclature. So uh, you actually have to look at a new a new addressing system. So, um, you know, a lot of peer-to-peer -peer and, um, you know, um, self-authenticating uh, schemas are being looked at. Uh, as a matter of fact, Carnegie Mellon okay. University is doing a lot of good work on that as well. So, I mean, yeah. but, but the answer is that it's all intertwined. And, and uh, you know, the good news is, you don't have to worry about it too much today. When do you think we'll see the first six G network? No. Is it twenty years down the road? Ten years? When? When is that? So the target wow. date for six G um, is wow. twenty thirty. That's ten years. So it's ten years. Yeah. So I mean, if you think about it, Julian, right? You know, so you know, one G was eighty five. You know, two G was like ninety three. 3 3G was uh you know 2000 you know 2005 4G was you yeah. know 2011 yeah. you know and then so here we are mm -hmm. you know we're we're 2020 we're doing 5G yeah so it's pretty much it's pretty much in every 10 year slog that makes sense so look we're we're at the end of the interview yeah. but I really enjoyed the conversation uh, I I want to thank you for your time it was very insightful so thank you uh, Pete Very good. Thank you, Julian. I appreciate it. Right. I appreciate you. the time. It's always a pleasure. Bye. All right. Take care now. Bye bye. Yeah, I appreciate the time.